0: Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, Yeah. Um, When I write songs, and I I think I've shared this before, um, I write a song with something and intention in mind, and oftentimes years later, The reason that I wrote it shows up. That is... Jason, I'm going to set this here. It's got a lid on it. Don't shoot me. (laughs) I'm a sound person too. I'm a sound, sound person. I'm also an audio engineer, (laughs) so I know. When the meaning, the layers of meaning keep showing up, as we do our work throughout life. Those are moments of grace. Those are what I consider moments of grace. When we can look at the past, we can see how far we've come, we can see how far over the work we think we've done on those days where we feel stuck, like, oh, my God, I haven't done enough. But we can look back and see the dots, the God dots getting connected. I'm actually going to read my notes today because I. This is, you'll get it here in a second. Um, to stand in this place and breathe. Thank you, Leah. I see you're smiling at me from the back. Saying, "Remember to breathe." We are talking about the grace of all things today, and the definition of grace. It's it's one of those things like beauty. Can you define beauty? Can you give a specific? You can say, this is something that is beautiful, this is something that feels beautiful, but nobody gets that ineffable thing. It's a feeling, it's an essence, it's a sense of energy within us. So if you look up the definition of grace, um, it says elegance, poise. If you think about graceful movement, there's elegance to it. There's like this seamless, fluid quality to it, it's balance. Another definition of it, which is where we're going to look at today, is a blessing. And sometimes it's even about forgiveness. Another definition is free, and this, is, this was specifically under the, under the Christian um, um, definition of it, free and undeserved favor, unmerited divine assistance. We've heard that phrase often, and I know I've said it, um, there but by the grace of God go I. I have issue with the word undeserved and unmerited. Yeah, I see nodding heads like, everybody's like, oh crap, sorry. <laughs> you know what, there you go. I disagree with it because of the, the perspective that we take in this teaching specifically is that we are always deserving of God's love and support. There is nothing ever held against us. Thank you. From the metaphysical Bible that Charles Fillmore wrote that everybody uh, uses, grace, he says, is goodwill, it is favor, disposition to show mercy, aid from God in the process of regeneration. What's the definition of regeneration? I'll tell you. The metaphysical meaning of regeneration is a change in which abundant spiritual life and even eternal life is incorporated into the body. So it's a feeling. Emily Cady talks about the chemicalization when we are moving through things. We, We literally can change our DNA with changing of our consciousness. The transformation that takes place through bringing all the forces of mind and body to the support of the Christ ideal or the Christ consciousness. It's the unification of spirit, soul, and body in spiritual oneness. That is... The metaphysical meaning of regeneration and grace is in all of that. Um, Dennis Merritt-Jones, who's another author in his book called How to Speak, Science of Mind. He says, grace is the givingness of spirit to its own creation. The logical result of the correct acceptance of life and a correct relationship to the spirit. So again, consciousness. Right. So how do we get more of it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How does it show up in our lives? Grace this week showed up for me as an intuitive hit. Well, actually about a week ago, and then it was um, reinforced by some tough love. I was already feeling it, and then I got some feedback that says, yeah, go with it. And I'll tell you, I did not. And I do not want to be doing this. But stay with me. What I think of grace as tough love is when someone loves you enough to help you see things differently without condemnation or criticism, while seeing the God in you, while you also see the bigger picture and where you might need to shift a little bit. Over the years, many of you have watched me give some of my first Sunday talks years ago, sitting behind the piano because early on I felt the need to have that piece of furniture in front of me to provide a sense of safety as I was getting my sea legs under me as a speaker. You have been witness to me birthing new songs and following the call to become a minister and a coach. You have held me in your prayers and I felt you lifting me up when I powered through giving a Sunday talk the day after my mother died four years ago. Earlier this summer, you lovingly expressed your support for me and my wife, Cindy, as we shared dreams and inspirations for things we envisioned in the town that we were moving to in Michigan. And more recently, whether you know it or not, you have been watching me fumble my way through what I need to share with you and to clear up with you today. Addressing the elephant in the room, as it were. For those of you who have not already told, who I've not already told privately, and for those of you who have not already heard the news for the grapevine, Cindy and I are divorcing. This is painful and extraordinarily difficult, made even more so by the fact that, by the nature of my position, I have to do this publicly. This is humbling, to say the least. As much as I wanted to keep this private, as much as I wanted to, it is important that you know that I now understand that a change of this kind can have a significant impact on a community such as this. I'm aware that it already has. When you know and love both people involved in a divorce, you can't help but be affected by the change in the relationship. It just comes along with the territory. In my grief and in the pain of processing the end of this relationship and all of the feelings that go with it, I have struggled with how and what to say about it and to whom. On the one hand, yes, it's a very private matter. And on the other, this greater community has loved and cared for both of us. And I know you have questions about how to deal with it and your own pain around the change, about what comes next. All the things a change in a relationship can bring up. Obviously, because of the legal proceedings, there are a lot of things that I won't answer for you. I can't. And nor will I disclose any of the specifics about what happened. What I will say is that if you have ever been through a divorce before, and I know many of you have, that ending a primary relationship You know that love can still be present, even when what's best for both of you means you don't stay together. I think you know that I strive to live what I teach. I have often spoken about how I have learned that our highest and best rarely shows up in a form that we would prefer. Rarely. Spirit is constantly calling us beyond our growing edge into, re, into recognizing that the right thing for our highest expression of itself is rarely the easy thing. There have been moments of extraordinary grace throughout this process already, and thus the grace of all things. I had already decided on that talk title from Jill's last week about the order of all things. So please hear me when I say this to you as my spiritual community. That if the situation with my divorce and my lack of addressing it publicly sooner has added to anyone's distrust or dissatisfaction with me as a member of leadership of this church, I sincerely apologize. I am learning a lot. I am growing, and despite my best efforts to prove otherwise, I am actually human. (laughs) Perfectly, imperfectly human. And I will not always do things gracefully. But you probably already know that. So I asked for your prayers for both Myself and for Cindy, holding the highest and best for both of us. And for all of us, we do that all the time with each other. So thank you for letting me breathe through that, and I'm not done yet. (laughs) So how do we recognize the moments of grace? How does it feel when we recognize them? Yes, it's okay to take a deep breath, I need to. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, one of them that came to mind for me is tough love. I had to be shown that my not talking about the divorce was adding to the unrest of many in this community. And that they felt the feedback that I've gotten, that Jill and I have gotten that there is a lack of transparency from leadership. I get it. And damn. <laughs> this was a painfully humbling realization that I was a part of that. I don't know about you, but when, <laughs> when I'm in emotional distress or feeling particularly vulnerable like this moment, um, I'm not always very graceful. So another way that grace shows up is in kind of getting, finding your knees down on the ground. As I said in the song, and having to accept what is. I don't like it. We don't have to like it at all. In fact, we can just have a little hissy fit about the whole thing. (laughs) But until we accept what is, the facts not our opinion about it, not our judgment around it, not anything else around it, except just looking at the bottom-line facts. Until we do that, we cannot move forward. And we do not open a space for grace to come in. Part of that then is forgiveness. Again, Not our opinion about it. Not whether or not something should or should not have happened. But being willing to forgive so that we can free ourselves from the moment of distress. Of carrying that burden. Because that is what unforgiveness does. It keeps us stuck. It keeps us beating ourselves up mercilessly about what we could have done, what we should have done, any of that stuff, you all know this. And until we are willing to forgive, even open the door, the first step is to be willing. Not like jump right in and go, okay, I forgive everything all in and I'm done. Not blowing by it either. Not spiritually bypassing, but sitting in the moment of the pain and the distress and the shame and the embarrassment. To sit with those feelings for a minute, knowing and trusting that there is something that we can lean into that will carry us through it. That is part of the surrender. There has to be a moment by choice or by getting knocked to your knees, that you say, okay, God, I can't do this by myself. little crack in the door, that's all it is, to open it up, to let the light in, to let a little bit of a fresh breeze in, a little piece of new perspective on this. And being willing to ask for help. Setting aside, as I say in that song, our foolish pride that keeps us living so low. That is hell, my friends. Hanging on to the need to be right rather than allowing your need to be happy. To be at peace. Because, in the grander scheme of the grander scheme, this is a blip. It's a pinpoint in time, it's a sharp one. (laughs) And if I carry that metaphor further, yeah, burst my bubble. asking for help, not only from God, but more importantly, actually more importantly, from other people who are also God-expressing, who have been through it, who have a little different perspective that aren't right sitting in the middle of it with you at the moment. Grace also shows up as us setting aside our small, fear-based selves to be in service to someone else. To get out of our own bloated nothingness ways, as Emerson says. Get out of the way of the divine circuits so that grace and love can do its thing. That's a hard one for me. Has been all my life, asking for help. And moments of grace that I've had throughout this process, throughout the move and the divorce and being back here and being in it, all of it. And what comes next for me? I can tell you right now, I don't know. My formal ministry, as it were, has not yet revealed itself. Other than I know that music and writing songs and getting that stuff out of me, that's always been my ministry. But me as official, licensed, reverend person, I know that I need community. I know I need to be around people who know and love me, who know me well. And I need to be able to trust that I can ask for help. And the moments of grace and dropping in and asking for help have been coming fast and furious. That's just the way it works. I'm in the middle of it. And every day there's a new insight and a thing that says, here you are, look, standing on, from the reading, standing on top of this mountain, looking backwards, going, wow, look at how far I've come and how much I have healed in my lifetime in my lifetime just from the time that I found science of mind and new thought more than 20 years ago. I have come lifetimes in that lifetime. And I still am amazed and humbled and brought to my knees by the things that I have been blind to in my own paradigms, of how I've coped the world I gave a talk a couple of weeks ago at unity in Traverse City Michigan and I talked about this a little bit and there was one of those moments of grace that had dropped in for me in doing all of this work and it was that like blinding headlights in my face saying I have spent my life coping not thriving but coping surviving and I've done a lot of things I have accomplished a lot of things because that seed of perfectionism that was planted so early in me unfortunately was grounded in that place said you're not enough and never will you be so what do we do with it we just keep doing more I kept doing more Accomplishing more in the hopes that I might find some way, some day, to feel like I'm enough, just as I am, and let go of the idea that it had some, some perfect picture that doesn't exist. I know many of you know this. I see the nodding heads. So I'm practicing right now in front of you. I'm learning to surrender. I'm learning to do it differently. I am finding tremendous support in the most amazing places to do this. There are so many tools out there. But the first thing is to be willing to surrender to it. Something that I've gotten a lot lately from um, discussions with mentors and other support and people who know me well and know my music. A moment of grace is when someone says to me, Hey, Kit, why don't you listen to one of your own songs? (laughs) So we have the gift of hindsight, we can let it go into regret, or we can take the grace of it and recognize that every moment has been a teacher. A line from another song called Return to Love, everything's a lesson, everyone's a mirror in everything I do. But when my heart is open and my mind is clear, I know I can return to love." We've often heard the phrase, "When we know better, we do better." I have adjusted that. I have adjusted that, because better implies that we were doing it wrong. No disrespect to my Angelou by any stretch here. But the perspective is when we know differently, we do differently. And that is the whole the whole, some parts, all of it, of spiritual practice, is practice, not perfection. progress, not perfection. So thank you for being a loving support today. My knees have stopped shaking a little bit. And I invite uh, Katie has her guitar on to uh, just do some breathing into meditation with this today. What I'd like us to breathe in and focus on is balance. That's the word that's coming to me right now. As I stand here doing my job, wanting to do nothing but just stand here and cry, my job and a life calling that I am committed to is that I stand here to guide you through and take myself with it so balance the balance of recognizing the pain of being human and tears of gratitude for recognizing the divinity it is a beautiful paradox this being alive thing This is where I want to stay. In my heart. Letting go of the overthinking and I invite us to do that. To take it in as an intention in meditation today. That throughout our day if we can set aside the thinking... Set aside the need or the feeling that we have a need to figure it all out at any given moment. To be willing to just live in heart as painful and as scary as it sometimes might feel. Be willing to open to trusting that there is that, that is always lifting us, grounding us, embracing us. Because it is never separate from us, it is expressing as us, and for us to be willing in that Any given moment to stop and take in the simplicity of that and the enormity of that. Again, the paradox. there is anyone on your heart right now or anyone you are setting outside of your heart because it might mean you have to let go of an opinion and a need to be right I invite you instead to be willing to tap into that need to be at peace. God will not stop caring for that person, God will never stop caring for you. God does not ever stop caring for me so breathe in If there are tears, let them out. If there's a visual of setting aside for a moment, the peace that comes with setting aside the differences, do it. And in the space that needs to be filled in, breathe in love. Love. Breathe in gratitude, breathe in forgiveness, breathe in grace. With grace and gratitude that I invite you to take a few more deep breaths and know that I am so grateful for you all of it every single one I'm grateful for this life And to know that there is an abiding, unconditional, ever-present love. That we are never, ever, ever separate from. So peace on your hearts, my friends. So it is. Namaste. Namaste.